Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It is a football Friday here on Birds 365. My partner, John McMullen, asked me this yesterday, so I did some fast math. It's not really not all that hard. This is our 10th week. We had two holidays mixed in there, the Friday before Memorial Day. It's harder than I wanted to do, Johnny. I I can tell you, this is show number 48. John McMullen, you asked me yesterday, when is that 100 show going to be? Well, it's going to be about... We're almost halfway there. 10 weeks from now, as a matter of fact. Wait, wait, Uh, let me go. I'm going to do some math here. So we're at show 48. Correct. So Tuesday of next week will be show number 50. Yes. So that's our... uh, uh, um, that's a big anniversary show. And Tuesday of next week, I got to look at the calendar. Uh, be the 15th, June 15th. 15th, June 15th. Guess what day that is, Jody? Uh, I will have a different answer for that than you. 50, well, 50th day, uh, 50th anniversary show, but also Nick Sirianni's 40th birthday. Is it? Yes. Shoot, I will tell you. Um... What is it from 1977 to 2011? How many years is that? Uh, 77 to 2011. 40 something. 23 plus 11, 30, 34. 34? No, more than that. Because we're on 2021. Oh, 2021, yeah. Uh, uh, 21. So I'm doing, yeah, 44. 44. It's, it will be the 44th anniversary. Of my father trading Tom Seaver to the Cincinnati Reds. Oh. Because the trade deadline used to be June 15th. Back in the day, 1977. Um, the trade deadline was June 15th rather than August 31st. They've since pushed it back and uh, it has moved, it has changed, it has shucked, it has jived. But it used to be June 15th. And the uh, powers that be, the ownership of the Mets told my father, you will trade Tom Seaver by June 15th. Make the best deal that you can. And my father said, humna, 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 humna. But he did. He went out and did it. And he has forever been beat up in New York because he's the general manager who traded the franchise of the Mets, even though. Not only. Yeah. But you can say it's not his fault. He was forced to do it. But it is tough when you when you have it on your. We talk about all the time and Howie Roseman sometimes has to do what Jeffrey Lurie says. He gets beat up for it. It's part of the job. Lightning rod is part of the job. But that's Mr. Met, man. That's gotta yeah. be, that's gotta that's gotta hurt. And speaking of, you know, I said I was on that baseball uh 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 you know sort of statistical wormhole uh looking at complete games. So you know, you got Seaver. What here we go, Jody. I'm gonna give it to you. I just pulled it up. Yeah, he 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 finished what he started a whole bunch of times. 18, 14, 18, 19, 21, 13, 18, 12, 15, 13, 19. That is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eleven consecutive years. Eleven consecutive years of double digits, complete games. Yeah. Now, if a guy has three over the course of a season, you can go, damn, what a season he had. He actually finished three games. Holy mackerel. 
That doesn't happen anymore in baseball. All right, uh, we got to up on a June 15th tangent. Let's bring it back to the Philadelphia Eagles. June 15th, that's next Tuesday. Will the Philadelphia Eagles have a CB3 uh, two by that time? John McMullen. Um, no, probably not. I mean, there's no reason to. The, the off-season work, the on-field work is already done. You're not even going to be back at the Novacare complex. There's, a, you know, some meetings going on and all that kind of stuff. But um, essentially, the players aren't going to be on-field again. July 27th is the report date for training camp. But even that, Jody, you have that ramp-up period. So, you, and, and that's going to be longer than it usually is the, the unions wrangling for that as well. So, you know, let's say August 1st, that's when you need an arm uh, by August 1st. So yeah, I think the Eagles will have one in place before the start of training camp, but there's no hurry at this point. You know, Nick Mullins is probably the most interesting name out there because he's got significant experience. I would call it for a backup. He started 16 games over the past couple of seasons because of the injury problems in San Francisco. He had some good games. He had some stinkers. Uh, no question about it. But when you look at backup quarterbacks in this league, he should be a backup quarterback, but he's coming off elbow surgery. So he's not completely healthy. If the Eagles had signed him, he wouldn't have been ready for offseason work. He's, he's hopeful to be ready for training camp. He's supposed to be ready for training camp. He had successful surgery. By the way, Jody, You've been around longer than me in, 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 in sports talk radio, certainly. Have you ever heard of an unsuccessful surgery in the history of mankind? Uh, not not right away. No. Oh, uh, I've heard of them, but you have to wait two or three years, and they probably knew they were unsuccessful within a couple of yes, months. My but point at some is point, someone will say, oh, you know, that surgery didn't go as well as it was supposed to go. But it's got to be years down the line before they actually admit to it. Yes. I should have said, have you ever seen a surgery deemed as unsuccessful right away? Right away. They're no, all no. great. No, 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 no. But they, we know they all don't work out. Down, so. down your baseball wormhole. They're all still batting a 1,000. All those doctors who have done those surgeries are still batting a 1,000 immediately thereafter. Every single one of them yeah, successful. It, it is amazing. Yeah, a bunch of Hall of Famers. But anyway... <laughs> Uh, so he wouldn't have been healthy anyway for the offseason work. Uh, you know, but I bring up his name. Look, he's too good to be a third-string quarterback in this league, the, the Nick Mullins pre-injury. But maybe that surgery brings his price down, and maybe you can get him in here. If you can't, which I would still say it's a long shot because teams are so quarterback desperate, if he can prove he's healthy, uh, somebody's going to give him a decent chunk of money as a backup quarterback. Then I start, you start thinking about the Sean Mannions of the world because he's a West Coast guy. I think that's what they're looking for. He'd be he fit in as a third string quarterback. He's not. He's not at all. Uh, uh, they're they're looking for a West Coast guy. That's what I heard. But really? um, yeah, and and uh, KJ Costello's a guy who's a rookie. Um, that they did a lot of work on, I know, in the pre-draft process. And he was a Stanford kid. They love Stanford kids, number one. Then he then he transferred. So um, how many of those Stanford kids kids have actually worked out for them? Well, Zach worked out for him until the end. Zach Ertz, uh, he certainly worked out okay. for them. But yeah, JJ Ortega Whiteside certainly didn't. Casey Tuhill, 
you know, he's a seventh round pick. But my my larger point is they just like the makeup of Stanford kids. I don't know anybody who doesn't, by the way. The Eagles aren't alone there. Stanford kids tend to be what you would think Stanford kids are, really smart, really focused, really driven. Uh, so all of that, it, I know they have interest in K.J. Costello. But, Jody, we just got off of Jamie Newman, who had a much higher profile, at least from a, a draft analyst perspective. He didn't show anything. KJ Costello was isn't even he got a couple tryouts, but isn't even on a roster. So look, quarter third quarterback is third quarterback. You're not going to get a a an unstoppable Nate Sudfeld type in here unless you bring Nate Sudfeld back. That's the type of quarterback you're gonna have. Nate Sudfeld. That's okay. what you're gonna have. I'll I'll tell you I'll pass. <clears throat> Excuse me, uh, Nick Mullins. I know you've uh uh, kind of. How could you pass on Nick Mullins if he's Oh, cheap? easily. I think he stinks. I think he can't as a play. third quarterback. Right. Um, he is an established NFL quarterback who can't play. That's my opinion. We've seen enough, or at least I've seen enough. You would think the Eagles and everybody else in the National Football League has seen enough that they have determined that he can't play. Yes, he had some games where he looked like, hey, this guy could actually be a starter in the league. And he also had some games where he was hideously bad. I mean, really bad. Worse than Carson Wentz in 2020 bad. No. And, and oh, by the way, yes, there is no further upside as far as I'm concerned. There is no improvement in his game. Nick Mullins, to me, is what Nick Mullins is. And what he is isn't good enough. So as a third-string quarterback, I'll quote the uh, guy that I lean on most when I need to give a football analogy. And that would be my partner, John McMullen. When you get to your third string quarterback, you're done. You're over. Yeah, you're screwed. I, I could use a word that begins with F that I think everyone knows what I would be getting at. That's the season. It's over and done with. So here's the way I look at third quarterbacks. And that's why I thought Jamie Newman was a smart play. If he's got an issue with his game, with his life, with his attitude, whatever it is, why they cut him as quickly as they did. We still don't know why. Don't know how long it will take for us to find out why. I don't know if we'll ever find out why. But we assume there was something pretty bad that they got a couple of week look at him in a couple of gatherings and they go, yeah, we got to get this guy the hell out of here. Uh, I don't know why that is the case. But his, his makeup, his positioning in his NFL career is exactly what you want to look for in your third-string quarterback. It is a developmental position. You need a guy who's still got upside, who you have a feeling about. He hasn't been given a chance to show it on the NFL level yet. And when he gets that chance, you'll see that, yeah, he's this and maybe even more down the road. I want a guy who's never thrown a pass in a National Football League game. If it's my third-string quarterback, if I already have Jalen Hurts, if I already have Joe Flacco, if I get past those two, my season is out the friggin' window anyway. So I don't need to see Nick Mullins come in and go two and three, one and three over four games. If that's what happens, I'd rather see a kid come in who's never played in the NFL before. And he may be worse than what Nick Mullins is over the course of those four games. I don't care. My season's for cocktails out of the window anyway. So show me a young guy. I give you the guy I would look toward. And again, I did my research on all the college quarterback when the draft was happening. Kid Zach Thomas from Appalachian State. He was the Sun Belt Offensive Player of the Year. 
He's a little guy. He's six foot. If he is that, they might have actually added a little bit for draft purposes. Uh, but he's not a tall quarterback. He's as much a running quarterback as he is a passing quarterback. But his touchdown to interception rate ratio was damn good, as a matter of fact. Hey, give me a guy like that. Give me a guy who hasn't done anything. Maybe he's a better guy if it was something off the field, attitude issue as to why Jamie Newman wasn't good enough. Well, hey, tell me this kid uh, from the draft reports that I read. Uh, he's uh, a good kid and a smart kid. Uh, his, his biggest knock is that, yes, he's six feet tall, and every once in a while he gets a pass batted down, and that's probably what's going to keep him from becoming a starting quarterback in the league. But I'd rather have him than anybody else who's already proven, yeah, you can't play in this league. <laughs> yeah, and I think, and that's where I would go Costello. That's where I threw uh, a couple of names out there. That's why I said yesterday on the show, in theory, I agree with you, Jody. If you're down to your third-string quarterback, I'd rather have a developed developmental quarterback for the same reasons essentially you just stated a um, little bit different when you don't have an entrenched starter I think that plays into it uh, maybe one a couple veteran arms in the mix for for more than one reason not just the uh, uh, not just the fact that uh, you might have questions over the starter but also you have more sounding boards in the room you have more professionals around uh, where suppose you know if I had to lay a bet again on Jamie Newman, my 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 thought process would be, how bad could he have been on the field? I mean, they're not doing anything. So from that standpoint, I got to say, well, he's not doing the stuff off the field that they're not happy with, and that's why they moved on. That's the concern. That's my only concern with the developmental guys. If you find the right one, that's why I bring up KJ Costello. I bring up the Stanford stuff. You know he's going to be smart. You know he's going to be intelligent. You know he's going to do the homework. That's just a Stanford kid. I mean, it just is. Yeah, people can say, I've, I've been around him enough. I, I mean, people can say whatever they want to say about David Shaw and that program and blah, blah, blah. You know, sometimes they're not the best at athletes, but they're all good kids. Every stinking one of them is all good kids. They all do their work the way they're supposed to do in their work. That's That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. But when I do say developmental guys, you know, we had Clayton Thorson in here. You just saw Jamie Newman couldn't last three weeks. A lot of these guys are so unprepared. And, and, and look, it is philosophy. And by the way, I don't even think this is all that relevant because ultimately, as I said, when he proves he's healthy, if he proves he's healthy, and I'm talking about Nick Mullins, he's going to get a backup job. He's just – he, there's there's not enough good backup quarterbacks in this league for Nick Mullins to stand there and go, okay, I'll be a third string quarterback. That's my belief, anyway. Um, yeah, you're apparently you're a bigger Nick Mullins fan than I am. No, um, I'm 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 a bigger. There are no backup quarterbacks fan. Sean Mannion is another. He's a backup quarterback for five years in this league. He backed up Jared Goff. He 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 backed up Kirk Cousins. Luckily, he never got on the field. He's he's terrible. Uh, I mean, but he was a backup quarterback for half a decade. Uh, uh, you know, Nate Sudfeld, through the injury, of course, was a backup quarterback in, in the Super Bowl. <laughs> I mean, if, if God forbid anything happened to Nick Bowles, you would have saw the unstoppable Nate Sudfeld against Bill Belichick. Jody, there aren't a lot of good backup quarterbacks in this league. And I know I told you the story again, but I love it so much. I'm going to tell the story again. And that's Tom Moore. And when he got asked about 
hey, why don't you why don't you run some more reps for Jim Sorge at practice? And he said, he looked at the, the guy like he was an idiot and said, if 18 gets hurt, and that's Peyton Manning, yeah. we're fucked and we don't <laughs> practice fucked. And that's my and that's uh, backup quarter. That's backup quarterbacks by and large. And I know Philadelphia fans don't understand that because you know Giants fans can go back to Jeff Hostetler as well because they were able to take the baton and win. Doesn't happen a lot in this league, right? But we're talking about QB three, which I get is only one injury away from becoming QB two and two injuries away from being QB one. But if those two injuries happen. It's, as Johnny Most once said, it's all over, it's all over, it's all over. And I agree point, with that. Your point about uh, uh, it's easier to go with a developmental guy when your uh, QB1 is established and locked in, and years of success and the like. I disagree with that mindset. Much more important in the determining of what type of QB3 you want is the overall state of your team. What your expectations are for the team, if we're talking about, oh, let's say the Kansas City Chiefs, who have gone to two consecutive Super Bowls, and they've got a guy, and I know Patrick Mahomes is damn established, uh, but they're that good, and they've been that good, and, whatever. and they might think, yeah, you, we need a backup quarterback in case Patrick goes down, and then we need a backup to the backup who could actually come in and play, because if our second guy goes down, our team is that talented that good that we could still go to the Super Bowl. Now we're going to have to go there differently. Andy Reid, damn good coach. He's going to have to figure out a way to get a game manager in there and not kill themselves and give themselves a shot still to go to a Super Bowl. That type of team needs a QB3 that actually has done something, has accomplished something, and has showed you something. The Eagles are the 25th best team, 26th best team. Their odds to make the playoffs are only okay because they play in the NFC least. Their odds to go to the Super Bowl out of the NFC are long shots. Their odds to win the Super Bowl are even longer shots. No, it's all about a developmental court. The Eagles aren't going anywhere anyway. Even with the uh, everybody staying healthy, they're still a relative long shot to do anything this season. So show me somebody who could actually become something down the road. And I guess I've already shown my belief in this because I was one of very few who last year believed that Jalen Hurts was actually a pretty damn good draft pick because I thought he could step in and be the backup right off the bat. And yes, even without ever having played it down, I'll give a guy off something I saw in college a little bit more credence, a little bit more believability. They can step in and play even though they've never done it before. Well, you have more confidence, I'll freely admit, in the Zach Thomases and the K.J. Costellos of the world. I agree with you from the part of uh, I don't think it matters all that much who the third-string quarterback is going to be. I probably agree with you. I'm not going to waste extra money on Nick Mullins if he wants to come in here, which I don't think he would want to come in here. Um, so from that standpoint, I have no problem with it if they bring in Costello or Thomas or anybody else, or they kept Jamie Newman for that matter. Uh, they're not going to develop. <laughs> they're just not going to be star players in this league. Probably not even going to be backups. And if you want, if you want a real developmental project who could maybe develop into something, well, then you should take them in the draft. And the Eagles didn't do that. So they are where they are at this point. 
but all of those draft picks were very important to the Eagles. They had a lot of those draft, a whole bunch of them are going to make it. It's going to be another how we find it special that we'll be singing the praises of a year or two from. I got no idea. You're probably right that they, if they really liked the guy well enough, they would have used a sixth or a seventh round draft pick on him. All right. He is John McMullen. I am Jody McDonald, AKA Mac and Mac, AKA birds, three Uh, We've got uh, an hour and change left to hang with you tonight. Two good guests coming your way. A little later in the show, we're going to have John Machota on. He is the Cowboys beat reporter for the athletic. Uh, John and I have uh, had guys on before. We had a giant guy on. We had a red skin guy on. Uh, This is our first foray down to big D to talk about the number one rival of the Philadelphia Eagles, the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, John Machota does an excellent job uh, covering them on a day in day out basis for the athletics so we're going to punch him up uh and we'll do this when we get closer to the season we'll go through the eagle schedule with teams they will be playing we'll get someone on to tell us how that team is shaping up over the course of the offseason and then we'll surely do it once the season kicks in on a week-by-week basis and we always stay uh, close to home with eagles information for that we're going to turn to a good buddy of john mack you used to get him on your podcast all the time right my show, my podcast, everything. Bob Groats is great from the Delaware County Times. And I got to wrangle him to get on here. I'm a little disappointed, Bob. But we'll, we'll hash that out. Okay. We'll uh, get Mr. Groats uh, up. I've had him on my show over the years. I haven't had him in a couple of years. That's my bad. That's shame on me. Uh, looking forward to talking to Bob Groats uh, coming up next. John McMullen, Jody McDonald, Mac and Mac guys right here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. It is a football Friday get-together here on Birds 365. Magamac guys, Jordan McDonald, John McMullen. We are absolutely enthused to be joined by our next guest. Uh, you read him in the uh, Delaware County Times. He's been covering the Eagles <laughs> and this town for a long time. And yes, he's up on the screen. I was told, uh, yeah, we might just have him uh, audio only. No, we figured out how to punch up his computer. Let's hear yeah. it for uh, our buddy Bob uh, Gross, who joins us here on Birds 365. How are you, Bob? Uh oh, we got no, we got no audio, so we're gonna have technical difficulties. We, we got his smiling face up, but we didn't uh, get his audio. So uh, our boy uh, Xander will work Xander with him will, to will try and get his audio up. Uh, we thought we were just gonna have Bob via audio, uh, but then he got his computer up and running and got the camera turned on. We, oh, we got growth. No, we don't have growth. Yeah. Well, so yeah, it's one of those things. It's a new world, Jody. It's streaming, so. You know, not everybody's used to it. The old days of just picking up the phone, doing a radio spot. So now you got to figure out every. You got to get the backdrop going. Bob's got the. Uh, Bob's got the bookcase. You got it. All these different things. You got to get go. You got to get going in the right way. So it's and, not as easy as the old days. And truth be told, for you guys, uh, shoot, I had no idea. Uh, a year and a half ago, two years ago, whatever. Jody, can you turn the camera on your computer? No chance. No shot. I got no idea. First of all, uh, I wasn't a laptop guy. I've always been a uh, desktop guy. So at one point, because I was doing some work where I had to tape spots and send them in via the computer. Yes, I got a camera that was affixed to my... The only thing I ever used it for were these taped spots that I did for a media outlet. I never tried to converse on them. I never reached out to any other person, friend or whatever. It, it was there solely to do this. I had no idea what to do it. But over the last year and change, we've all needed to learn how to Zoom, right? So I yeah. think that most well, people... Uh, by the way, you know, you bring that up, Jody. At the start of the pandemic, when these Zooms first started, I got to tell you, I was so uncomfortable. I'm trying to figure out what button I need to push. I'm trying to figure out you know, how to, when it's your turn to make sure to unmute, you know, it's second nature now. And you look at, you've been doing it for so long and you look at some guy and you say he can't do it and you go, well, who's this? <laughs> but, but I was there right at the beginning. And there's Bob Groats. Are you there, Bob? Nope. Still no audio. Still no audio, Xander. What is going on here? We'll continue working with Bob Groats. And as, uh, mm-hmm. hands, as handsome a gent as he is, yeah. uh, if need be, we can do an interview with Bob Groats and not see his smiling face. But here on Birds 365, we do actually need to hear what he has to say. Uh, if uh, you can, do you lip read McMullen? 
no, no, no. Yeah, uh, you, you know those. There's those YouTube videos. I'm sure you've seen them, Jody. That uh, NFL lip reading videos. Have you seen them on Twitter? No. Where they have players on the sidelines and it's fake lip reading, and it's perfect. Everything is synchronous, and they're just goopy. The goopy words. If you want to go out, you should check it. Go down that wormhole. It's actually entertaining for you know, about 15 minutes or so. Till you what, get tired what, what, what would I need to Google to get there? What's I'm going to look it up for you. I'm going to look it up for you. Um, I forget. Sideline lip reading, it sounds like to me. If I went Google yeah, it. Let, let me see. Let me see. I could probably find it pretty quickly. Um, let's see. Bad lip reading. So just do NFL 2021 bad, uh, bad lip reading. Bad lip reading. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I got a project for 10. So there's your, uh, and, and for everybody else, that'll be an entertaining 15 minutes. All right. Uh, now you, we're going to do something on the fly, Jody. Uh, keep the people interested. I got to give Xander Bob's number and I got to figure that out. So. Cover for me is what I'm not a problem. Um, <laughs> a bad lip reading after the show. That is something I will definitely do. And I will continue to do my research on who should be the QB three for the Eagles. Uh, Johnny Mack leaning a little bit toward uh, a more established quarterback and a guy who's already proven himself. I want a guy I've never seen before. Uh, a collegiate uh, last year player who's never played in the NFL. There's a reason why it's called a developmental position. That's what I believe in. That's what I think the Eagles should be looking for. So we disagree a little bit there. One of the things I will get with John and maybe even Bob Groach, if we get him punched up is uh, certainly the cornerback uh, number two position. Uh, everyone continues to state that person is not on the Philadelphia Eagles yet. Uh, we know who the free agents left out there still are. Uh, Nelson, 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 Nelson. His name comes up on a daily basis <laughs> on this show and everywhere else that we talk about Eagle cornerbacks. But uh, could Howie Roseman be in trade conversations with any other team? They keep referring back to when Ronald Darby was acquired a couple yeah. of years ago. Um, I got one team they should be talking to for a couple of reasons. Number one, the familiarity between the Eagles coaching staff now and that team's coaching staff. And number two, just pure numbers. The Minnesota Vikings have a lot of cornerbacks in their camp on their roster right now. Uh, as we try and figure out what kind of system the Eagles are going to run on defense this year, we continue to come back to, well, the relationship between Eagles defense coordinator and the Vikings head coach is going to uh, probably be able to tell you ahead of time what type of uh, defense they're going to run. I made up the word Zimmerish here on the show, that the yeah. uh, Eagles defense is going to be quite Zimmerish in this upcoming year. Uh, are, do you think the Eagles are talking, should be talking to the Minnesota Vikings because they signed a couple of free agent cornerbacks during this offseason and they already had a couple of good cornerbacks to begin with, so they seem like a team with cornerback depth. Well, they had a bad season last year, and I think we got Bob Groats on the line. Bob, are you there? Yeah. Can hey, we in? got him. We got him. So we'll we'll talk hey. about that. We'll put that it, in the holster, Jody, because that's important. It's yeah, the, the internet, internet out here. I'm, I'm in Westchester. It's a yeah. little bit slow, yeah. They are. Westchester. You go out to Westchester, you're on the – you're the on the border. You're in the boonies. What the yeah. hell? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
Hey, You're I want to say I want to say it's an honor to be on this show, and thanks for the opportunity, guys. This is a phenomenal show. <laughs> I knew it was a, coming. A great show. A I knew it was show. coming. Now, now, I, now I, I hate to do it. I don't. I don't want to be the jerk of the show, but I'm well suited for it. He's lying through his teeth. Uh, if he no. can't get the internet out where he's living in the boonies of Westchester, he sure as hell is not watching Birds 365. Yeah. Well, what Bob was doing there, Bob was doing Nick Sirianni, Jody. He was oh. he, he was blowing smoke up for you. That's a phenomenal question, Jody. Oh. That's a good. That's a good question. That's a great question. I'm not going to answer it right now, though. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on what type of softball, <laughs> if you give him the biggest softball possible, you get phenomenal. phenomenal. You give him just an average softball, you get great. And you give him a run of the mill, you know, two one fastball, you get good. Bob Gross, Nick Sirianni, yeah. your first impressions with Nick. Yeah, I mean, a, a nice guy, a ton of energy, um, and this, believe, trust me, I mean, this, just because he won't answer questions now doesn't mean that he can't coach, but uh, it, it sure seems to me like he's a little bit overwhelmed and trying to figure everything out, and you look at that coaching staff, and man, they are young. <laughs> These guys are really young, and look at the NFC East alone, and I've, I've spoken with you about this before, John. Every one of every team in the NFC East, just the NFC East, and the majority of teams, a simple majority in football, have at least a defensive coordinator or an offensive coordinator who has been a head coach in the NFL. This yeah. guy doesn't have that. So, and I don't know whether they tried to do it because they're so tight lipped about this, but I really think that does make a difference in, you know, and helping uh, a career coordinator uh, adjust and adapt to, you know, the head coaching job. There's a lot of stuff. That you know, a lot of pieces that have to fit into the puzzle, and and I think it could be a little bit overwhelming. So, you know, I don't know if if what he said means that we're doing that now, but uh, I mean that's what he's going through now. But uh, boy, this is going to be interesting. It really is. Then let me ask it uh, this way: If you think that this staff, and it's easy enough to see, is underexperienced, that it is as young as it is, that guys only have so many years logged in the league as any kind of coaches as a group, I think that's quite accurate. Are they the kind of group that will learn? Because if they're overmatched to begin with, that's fine. You learn on the job training kind of stinks. And yeah, maybe the Eagles are one and four, one and five, because in addition to not having enough talent, they also have a somewhat inexperienced coaching staff. Are they the kind of staff who will learn from it? Okay, we didn't know that. We hadn't figured out how that. We didn't think it out ahead of time. But next time, yeah, we'll have an answer for that. We'll have a uh, a different direction to go. Are they that kind of team that, okay, yeah, you're going to pay a price early, but you can actually cash a check later on with this group? It's still, still a big TBD. And, uh, and uh, by the way, Jody, if they don't win that opener in Atlanta, they could start 0-9. <laughs> you look at that schedule. Oh. I mean, Whoa. if they don't win that opener, they are in trouble. Yeah, well. 0-9? Oh, we, we you got them going 0-9, If they don't win the opener, yeah, I can see this snowball. <laughs> oh, but, man. But look at, look at all the dynamics. you got 17 games this year. <laughs> that That's a new adventure. Yeah. you got your preseason games. Nobody wants to play. They, they, they'll figure that out somehow. But that's a lot of games for a new staff. And, I mean, who's going to tell them what to do? 
I mean, is it going to be, is he going to call up Frank Reich every weekend or text him? You know, you, you can't do that. He's got, Frank's got a team to coach. Is he going to get it from Howie? I don't think so. Is he, he going to get it from, he might yeah, get I it mean, from Jeff. I, I, is it, and I've, I've said this before too, Th this year, and uh, Jody, you made a good point. This is a culture building year for this team. This is when they just got to lay down their philosophy and, and find the guys that want to buy in. But all that said, um, you know, this this optimism that I'm hearing because they play in the NFC East is uh, th th it's just unfounded. It kind of this is going to be a difficult year. Whoa, 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 hold on. W weren't they still in the mix in week 15 last week? As putrid yeah. as they were, as putrid as they finished. With two weeks to play, they were actually you're, still in the division like race. Boss. So you're you like can boss, make that Jody. argument again this year. It's the same thing. The division stinks on ice. You're like my boss. He called the NFC East the competitive division. Give me a break. <laughs> it was. It oh, was. Oh, God sakes, yeah. Competitively <laughs> awful, that. but competitive. All right, and, and Bob, you don't, yeah, Bob okay. if you're going – if you're going 0-9 to start. If they don't win that opener, yeah, it's going to be I'm tough. Gonna, I'm going to sit here and guarantee that Jalen Hurts is one and done as the starting quarterback. Uh, uh, if, they're, if they're evaluating Jalen Hurts, is, is there any way they can be fair about it with this season? If you're talking about a team with so many issues, a young coaching staff, maybe not the best talent in the world, how can you fairly evaluate the quarterback? Is that even got, possible? Yeah, no, yeah, you've got a lot of issues too. Still, I mean, Jeff Stoutland is is satisfied. He's he's comfortable that these veteran offensive linemen are going to be okay. Uh, I'm not. I, I I guess I'm a little pessimistic about that because they they've broken down in the past. Yeah, and and uh, you know the offense. I got to say the uh, the first round pick uh, Devontae Smith. I mean, he you can't tell much from from OTAs and stuff, except that this guy looks really smooth and polished. Yeah, and I, I'm, you know, I, I gotta say, you know, like he could end up being the best guy on this team this year. So, so you have that, you got a running back situation that that's pretty good, but there's too many ifs. If, if the offensive line stays well and, and I mean, if they stay healthy and, and Jalen hurts, um, you know, we, we saw what he did behind a, a, a patchwork type of, offensive line last year um a lot of throwaways and uh and i i was optimistic about him last year and i thought maybe this guy could be he could be the one but uh you know after after taking another look at that and uh even even going back and looking at some of the games I, i'm not so sure now so um so you know they got those first round picks in 2022 they're stockpiling those um of course, Deshaun Watson wants to go to Denver now, right? <laughs> that that's his preferred destination. So that maybe they could do something with a with an established guy is is what I'm thinking. But then again, who who wants to come to Philly right now? Yeah. I mean, I, it was, seriously, Nick Sirianni couldn't get uh, the quarter. Who was his quarterback? Uh, Jacoby Brissett. He couldn't get him to come to Philly. You know, he went to Miami, yeah. and I, and I, you know, they coached the guy for a few years. I, I'm sorry. I mean. Philadelphia right now is the place where a career could could die. So they got to establish they got to establish this culture and hope that it sticks. And, and let's not forget either. And this is not a, a slight against Nick Sirianni. I mean, a lot of a lot of guys that are relatively anonymous or obscure come out and they have great years. It, it happens. But he was pretty far down on this list. So 
you know, I, I, guys weren't beating down the door to, to, to take this Eagles job. I mean, there were some, some pretty good guys that, uh, that interviewed, but people weren't beating down the door to, to be part of this. No, well, that part's changed because, Bob, I mean, look, if, if Nick Sirianni, you're, you're talking about 0-9, so let's flip it. And I've said this before. The Kansas City Chiefs come in like week four. That's, uh, I think, somewhere in October, maybe week four. Oh, that, that, that could be the win, yeah. Um, no, I'm just saying, though. You know, the Chiefs are talking about 20-0. Granted, this is uh, – it's not going to happen. But the Eagles upset the Kansas City Chiefs. But they do it in the wrong way. Miles Sanders runs for 150 yards. Jalen Hurts runs for another 100 yards. Is Jeffrey Lurie going into Nick Sirianni's office after the game and saying, why didn't you throw the ball? I, I, I mean, that's what he did yeah. to Doug. Yeah, I think that happens every week. And, uh, I, and I think it happens with a lot of teams. Management gets in there. They want to see the game plan and maybe approve is the wrong word, but they want to see the game plan before the game. I know that happened in Cleveland, and there was a big controversy about that, and it ended up with the the Browns totally denying it. But uh, they wanted to see game plans and and uh, before the game, or they at least took a look at them and uh, and they evaluated them with them after the game. And I'm I'm almost certain, based on the stuff that happened with Doug, that it happened with the Eagles too. So. And I would hate to be the, the football guy going in there telling them why I went for it on a fourth down, you know, and or, or why I threw what why I ran a, this play or that play on fourth down. I, I think that I, I think that happens a lot in the NFL. I, I don't think it happens in New England with with Belichick, um, but I, I think it happens with with less established guys. And uh, there's a lot, you know, this accountability thing. Um, the front offices are, are heavily involved, I think, now with with the coaching end of it in, in terms of looking at these plays and knowing that they have other eyes watching them, you know, at all times. Bob, you said earlier that uh, on 2020 hindsight, looking back even further on the Eagles quarterback, Jalen Hurts. What in particular jumped up to you, whether it's either going back and rewatching the games or rechecking the stats? What was it that jumped out to you that you said, yeah, but, uh, yeah. My daughter, yeah, but, what was it you didn't like about Jalen Hurts in the uh, four or the three plus games that he played in? And still, I'm sorry, we didn't yeah. need to see the uh, the end of the Nate Sudfeld era, but that's a whole other conversation. Uh, Jalen Hurts, what was it on second peak that you thought, yeah, this might not be good enough? Can I say phenomenal question? Good question. Great yes. question. Now yes. I get it. Okay. Thank you. All right. Ding, ding, All right. ding. That okay. one hit okay. home. I got it. Yeah. Well, you know, I always liked the way that he threw the ball, but it, it was the way that he threw the ball. I just saw a lot of different launch angles and stuff. And um, I, I saw, you know, there'd be a good throw one time, but th there wasn't that consistency. And there was some pressure in that. And uh, just, just watching these OTAs, it, it kind of reminded me of that a little bit. And it, and it made me go back and look at it a little bit more. I, I don't know if he's the guy that, uh, you know, they, they are going to throw the ball a lot. I, I You know, I, there's no question in my mind. I don't know if he's the guy you want throwing the ball a lot. I, I really do like his instincts as a quarterback, you know, not just as a as a, a guy who can imp, impro, improvise and, and that type of thing. But uh, I think it's it, it's that. And, um, and I know there's a lot of people that will, 
disagree with me about that. I, I just don't, but I, but I don't like, um, I, I don't like the consistency just, just with throwing the ball. It's a lot of different things. I think he's still a work in progress along those lines. So, you know, having, asking, you know, somebody to, to correct all that in one year to me is, uh, that, that, that's too much to ask. So, uh, so I, I think it's, you know, you, you're going to have, um, you're going to have some turnovers and stuff because of that. But, uh, and you know, watching Jody, watching, uh, him throw and watching Flacco throw and Flacco's got a, he's got a, a nice tight spiral on that. And, uh, yeah. you know, it, it's just so different. And, and that, again, that doesn't mean, I mean, there's some guys that have succeeded that don't throw spirals. Let's be honest about that. But, uh, I, I just wonder, you know, if, if this is the guy that, that you want right now, um, I used to think that, um, you know, all when you put the all the the items in him, put all the parts of his, of the package in there. He's a great guy, and and there's no question too that he's really tight with the players. He he bonds with those guys, and uh, and that's that might be his biggest strength right now is getting everybody on the same page, and that can go a long way. But uh, but I wonder about that uh, the the consistency throwing the ball. That's the big question to me. Yeah, and that, Bob, that's one of the things we can see at OTAs, the mechanics, the footwork, and, and those guys working off to the side. You can see the consistency with Joe Flacco. You can't see the consistency from rep to rep with Jalen Hurts. I think that's a fair criticism. I go, but We go back to John DiPolippo. You go back way longer. But John was so good at drilling mechanics into Carson Wentz, and then when he was gone – all of a sudden those mechanics start to slip and the play starts to slip and, and people look across the league and they say, Patrick Mahomes, he doesn't do it mechanically sound. He's a superstar, but not everybody has Patrick Mahomes talent to overcome that lack of mechanics. Is that the bigger concern with Jalen Hurts? Just the fundamentals. That, that's a big part of it. And, and um, you know, Mahomes, even when he's off balance, he still yeah. throws it off balance the same way just yeah. about every time. I mean, it's uh, – but, uh, you know, that's not to compare him to, to Jalen Hurts. But, um, yeah, I, I just I, – I wonder about that that whole thing. And, um, and you know, if they, if they get off to a rough start, you know, the worst thing they could do, I think, would be to, to, to put the, the veteran in there because um, you, you need to – you need to find unless they unless they determine during that really rough start that you know this is not going to be the guy that that would be tough. Um, so, um, but um, I, I, yeah, I, th- this team is um, it, it's just a long way away. And uh, and I understand, I appreciate what you say, Jody, about the NFCs, but but I think they all got better. And uh, and I, and Jody, I you know that trade the Eagles made with the Cowboys to get Devontae Smith to move ahead of the Giants. That that tells me that the the Cowboys see the Giants as a bigger threat than the Eagles. It's like we're we're not worried at all about the Eagles. You know, we'll, we'll let them have their guy, and yeah, we'll we'll get a pick for it too. But uh, you know, they they kind of blocked the Giants on that one, and I I think the Giants are going to be good too. And and by the way, you can't tell me as uh, as mediocre as he was in Dallas, you can't tell me that Jason Garrett didn't help out. Joe Judge last year, and, and that wasn't a big help, knowing the NFC East and that. So it, it's going to be uh, a real learning experience. I, and let me just say this, too. One thing about a younger staff, and I've criticized the Eagles in the past, the Doug Peterson era, they have not developed 
young guys. And some of these guys have, have flourished with other teams. So maybe this younger coaching staff can do that. If they do that, if they can establish a culture and develop some guys in this year, it'll be a success. Who are those young guys that they, they didn't develop but went elsewhere and were developed into players? What, what was that cornerback? Yeah. What, what was that cornerback who went to uh, Jacksonville? Sidney Jones. Yeah. And, and okay. he got – and you know, even even uh, you look at a Nelson Aguilar or something. He had a good year that Super Bowl. Had a very good year. Yeah, he had look a very at a good look, year with the Raiders. Right, right. and uh, and he was. I, you look at the Super Bowl too, John. I, I watched rewatched that a few times. Yeah, he was good in that game. I mean, he, was he really great. helped him. That yeah, was his I best mean, game, the Super Bowl. But there, there's guys like that. You know, there's situations like that. There there've been uh, some other players, some uh, some defensive guys. Well, you know. You know the linebackers. They got there's a guy with Baltimore who, who ended up Ford. ended yeah. up being a starter. Yeah, having being really good. So Russell Douglas played a yeah. little bit in Carolina. You just don't here. And some of this is situational, sure. But uh, Doug Peterson to me, and 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 that coaching staff, and he didn't always have control over who was going to be in that room from from year to year. But that coaching staff uh, needed relied more on veterans and uh and uh it didn't you take as much time to to develop the younger guys and last year was a little bit of an anomaly but it happened before last year when covid was here it, it, it was happening before that when they couldn't when, where they yeah. couldn't actually work with the guys the way they did before then let me get you on the record for this one since you're pointing out guys didn't get it done here for whatever reason but went somewhere else and kicked their game up a couple notches what kind of year is carson wentz gonna have in indianapolis Oh, that, that, uh, I, I don't think he's <clears throat> Jody personally. I think he's going to get hurt. <laughs> I really, I, I, they got a good offensive line in that, but, uh, I'm put me in that, in that body of people who think that he hasn't been the same guy since that knee injury. He, he that, that doesn't mean he's been bad, but he does to me, he does not move like that guy, you know, with, since, uh, he had the knee injury, he does not move like that same guy. And last year, uh, there were a lot of different factors, injuries with the offensive line and uh, the receiver, the receiving core was kind of was fairly new. And, and that didn't help. But, uh, you know, the, for him to come in there and, uh, and to suddenly gel, I, I don't know. I, I, I think I, I, all of that said, the Colts are a really good team. And that coach, Frank Reich, if anybody can do it, it, it would be him. So. Uh, so if the answer, if your question is, do the Eagles get the first round pick? Yes, they probably will because yeah, they, they're going to get that conditional first round pick. Yeah, they, they probably will. Although I, I still think that, um, you know, I don't want to jinx the guy, but yeah, if you're I worried he's going to get hurt, that's yeah, going to be the there. reason the Eagles yeah. won't get the yeah. first round pick. Yeah, but you yeah. can't predict that per se. Yeah. You, you can't yeah. go in predicting that per se. All if right. he stays healthy. The Eagles get the first round pick. Defensive side of the ball, Bob. What the heck are we going to see? What are we oh, going to see from from JG? JG, my buddy. What are we going to yeah. see from him? Yeah, you you are going to have um, Fletcher Cox with his hands on his hips, looking at the the secondary. You know, <laughs> after after it gives up, you know, a big play after big play. I, I it doesn't matter. You you know, <laughs> you could have the best pass rush ever. And I don't think it's going to have to help the secondary. It's uh, there's a lot of holes back there. And uh, I, I don't see how you, you know, a new system, a lot of holes. I don't see how you can patch that up. Look in the NFC East alone 
and uh, there's some really good receivers there. It, it, that's going to oh, be, yeah, yeah that, that's going to be challenging. And uh, the linebackers, uh, from from what I understand, and and you know from you know just from and it's not from Nick Sirianni or his staff. They're going to be doing that a gap blitz stuff, right, John? Yeah. That, that yep. Uh, Minnesota did. I mean, good luck learning that this year. <laughs> that, that that is a really complicated scheme. Uh, well, I mean, it's complicated to do it the right way. I mean, it, it's difficult to do it the right way. So, uh, I, I think defensively, um, they're going to have some issues. And, and you also you got some age on that defensive line too. Um, you know, Brandon Graham and, and Fletcher Cox are not young guys. Um, Kerrigan, good rotation guy. They got a bunch of rotation guys for the most part. So, and uh, they did draft a young defensive tackle who's huge. This guy from SC, this guy is absolutely huge. So that should help. But uh, I, I don't see um, I don't see them really addressing or being able to stop too much on the back end right now. But Bob, the good news is Zach Ertz is still here. <laughs> we're waiting every day today's the day that zach Ertz becomes an ex-eagle wrong yeah. another Jody. day that zach Ertz is still here come on he's gonna have a big year catch 80 balls for the eagles yeah well they're gonna need to, to score some points for sure but i i just uh the more i look at this thing with zach Ertz, at first i i thought yeah okay trade him you know get something for him um you're not gonna get much for him at this point and and he's <laughs> done a lot he's done a lot for this this eagles team just give the guy his release. It's after June 1st. Um, uh, what are you going to do with a, a, th- a third pick, day pick, uh, even if it's conditional? I mean, let the guy go. Um, they, they let Malcolm Jenkins go. They've let other guys go that, that have said yeah. they're, they're not going to play, you know, if their contract's not redone and, and that type of thing. And, and that's not exactly what Ertz said. He was unhappy with the, the, the uh, offer. So let the guy go. Move on. Why, why let this fester? You're not making an example of anything. Get this culture going. You know, get get it running and stuff. Just just let the man go and uh, and move on. How does that resonate in the locker room, Bob? If they don't, they're playing this game of chicken with Zach Ertz. They aren't. I mean, let's be honest. This guy's an all-time franchise great. The other players look at that and say, why are they doing this to Zach? Why aren't they giving him his freedom like they gave Malcolm Jenkins why are they singling singling out this guy of all guys does that resonate at all I I don't think that does because uh the veterans that are there they they know he's going to be gone they're they're not going to let Zach Ertz back in that locker room he's going to one way or the other he's he's not going to be there for training camp so uh so I don't think it does I think it it's kind of you know, a little bit of uh, the the Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey type of thing. They they know that the the writing is on the wall, and uh, and I the, he won't be there for training camp. But uh, you know why why just uh, why prolong this? And uh, if they're waiting for an injury, you know, to uh, to another for another team, I mean, you you get lucky once in a while, like they did with Sam Bradford. You know, I mean, with Minnesota when yeah. uh, they traded. Yeah. That doesn't happen too often. So uh, we're we're something where so, a liability turns into an asset. I got to ask you about this, Bob, because John and I were discussing it before we punched you up. And I know we're probably making a mountain out of a molehill or a molehill out of a mountain. Um, the quarterback three position for the Eagles. They cut Jamie Newman this week. They now only have two quarterbacks on their roster. 
I guarantee you they're the only team in the NFL that today, as we sit here, has only two quarterbacks on their roster. So they're going to add somebody else. Or are they? Uh, I saw this from Nikki Blackburn on our stream here. How about Greg Ward as QB3? <laughs> well, he's the emer- he definitely yeah. is the emergency guy. Yeah, he would yeah. be the emergency guy. So, um, yeah, I... Uh, to me, not not as much of a big deal. They are going to need a camp arm, May- maybe even two, um, yeah. with yeah. the with the three game preseason. So they, they they'll get somebody. Um, I don't think it's a big issue. And I did hear you guys talking about you know if they thought it was if they thought it was that big of a deal, they would have drafted somebody. Yeah, but right now their track record drafting a quarterback when they already have a, a young guy in there has not been good. So Clayton um, Dorson, come on. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. But the like current that. starting quarterback fits yeah. that bill. Yeah. They already I had like, Carson Wentz and they took uh, Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Well, I like last Clinton one Dorsen. was a hit, at least yeah. in my book. All right, Bob. Yeah. Last one from me, by the way, this has been a phenomenal spot. So we want oh, to thank phenomenal. Bob Ritz. Bob Groats for stopping a, a, by. A great job, a really good job. Yeah, really, Thanks. really great, really good. I'll stop with that, guys. Yeah. You know, the Eagles want to be so innovative all the time. They cut. They not only cut Jamie Newman, Bob. They cut Khalil Tate. They missed an opportunity. We just talked about Greg Ward playing quarterback. Tyree Jackson is here, the ex quarterback from Buffalo. They could have had the first five quarterback offense in the history of the NFL. How was that for innovative? Wow, that would that would have kept him guessing, huh? Yeah. Can you imagine explaining that to Howie? The game plan with that? Yeah. No, not not Howie. Yeah. Jeffrey. Yeah. The bigger yeah. problem would be Jeffrey. I think but they would have liked it. Jeffrey might like it, yes, because you have that many more chances to pass the football. Yeah. I don't care who throws it as long as we're throwing it. Imagine that. Yeah. But, you know, Nick has a – I got to say this about Nick Sirianni, too. He has a way of going off on a tangent. You know, I used to have oh. teachers like that. When I went to Temple – I had a teacher, Jackie Steck, who would tell the most interesting stories, you know, and we'd be spellbound during that class. But uh, Nick has a way of going off, too. But, you know, to, to say I'm spellbound right now, no, I'm wow. not. I, I, I want an answer. Yeah. We <laughs> promise not to tell anybody that you said the Eagles could go 0 and 9. If they don't win that opener. That, 0 and 9, Bob Grove yeah. said is a positive. I, I said, yeah, if they don't win that opener in Atlanta, it's going to be tough. And I, I thought I was pessimistic. I'm going to guarantee right here the Eagles don't go 0 and 9. I'm going to guarantee it. I'm going to guarantee it. The power of positivity, uh, Johnny. <laughs> all right, uh, Bob, great having you on. Now that we know you got the computer all hooked up, we'll try not to do it on a cloudy or a rainy day because we know you're out there in the boonies of Westchester. Uh, we are going to call again. We are going to punch up again uh, well before the Eagles go 0 and 9. Uh, all thanks. right. All right, Thanks I'll for hopping on with us today, buddy. I, is... I want you to call me when they're 0 and 8. <laughs> That's a if the Eagles are 0 and 8, we will have you co-host. I'll 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 take off. I'll hey. take the week off. You and McMullen could do the entire week leading up to that week nine game. Yeah, they could still win that opener. I mean, Atlanta's they're rebuilding too. So yeah. Yeah. I could be off the hook right away. All Bobby right, I'll G, see you guys. Good All stuff. Buddy. Pleasure. Appreciate Thanks, it. Bob. That's Bob Groats for the Delaware County time. Holy mackerel. Oh, at nine. Oh. McMullen, forget about any of the criticism you've been taking yeah. because you're not blowing smoke up the Eagles fans. You know what? Uh, Groats has gotten the new title, the crown 
of the pessimistic Eagles media member with a potential 0-9 start here. Well, that's he has like thrown you as yeah. negative Nelly covering yeah. the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, I like anyone. I like Bob. I like Jeff McClain. I like anybody who's honest. And, uh, you know, if you think they stink, say they stink. We're not going to say I, – I can tell you this. I say all the time. You were talking about cornerbacks before we got Bob on. We'll talk about that more after the break. But, um, look, they stink at cornerback right now. Zach McPherson can't play outside corner in the NFL as a rookie. Anybody who's telling you that is lying to you. Uh, it's going to be ugly if they're forced down that road. And as I said, just go back. During the break, I'll look it up. I'll tell you the cornerbacks in the top of the draft last year, the Jeffrey Okudas of the world, the third overall pick in the draft, who was awful in his first time in the NFL. Maybe he turns it around. That's the third pick in the draft. And people are saying, hey, maybe Zach McPherson can do it. No, Zach McPherson can't do it. That's the kind of stuff I'm going to tell you the truth about. Bob is telling you 0-9. Even I'm not going down that road. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I, I think your point about uh, cornerbacks need time for development. We're always talking about whether quarterbacks can come right in and play as rookies and how difficult it is. And it's better to give them a learning curve. And a, you're right about cornerbacks. That's a tough oh. position oh. in the NFL to step in and be able to play right away. And yes, the Eagles may be leaning on a fourth fourth-round draft pick to play some significant snaps for him this year. Maybe that coach guy is on to something. No, I, I'm sorry. I'm not going that negative. He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. We are you Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say... But as I always say... It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. 
IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Johnny Mac and Jody Mac. Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. We thank you. Bob Grudge, for not only coming on, getting his computer worked out, but then bringing the heat as well. Yes, we oh, will yeah. have Mr. Groats on again. Uh, just a quick aside. Then we got a bunch of stuff we got to get into before. Uh, John Machota from the Athletic Cowboys beat guy. We're going behind enemy lines talking some uh, star and helmet <laughs> action today. Uh, last couple of uh, responses we've gotten in our stream. If you're watching us on the Jacob Media YouTube channel, uh, you know for a fact that uh, you have the ability to comment on the show right there on the screen as you're watching us. Uh, it's got the commentary section, so you can get comments into us. Um, we, we've got a busy show, so we can't sit here and just read them all day long. But sometimes I just need to know what our viewers, Eagle fans out there, are thinking. Uh, from Stu Vision, these guys are clueless. From Rob Gamble, from Rob Gamble, Bob is killing my hopes and dreams. <laughs> from Duck Win, Owen Nine, go pound sand. I'm not predicting a huge season, but Owen Nine, f off. All right, we're winning yeah. friends and influencing people here, McMullen. You know uh, it, man. Look, man, I, they're not going Owen Nine. I'm supposed to be the pessimistic guy i'm the guy who by the way said they're going to win eight games as you yeah, know both of it. you and i both, both had them at eight yeah. nine so i think they're going to be better than people think look the the schedule is sort of front heavy from a difficulty standpoint at least on paper yep so you do talk about it all right let me pull it up real quick so you talk it, it is atlanta so that's what bob said if you don't win that game you have san francisco Coming in, it, it could be a really good team, but you know that's a West Coast team coming east for the so-called body clock game. So I think the Eagles could win that game. Uh, you go to Dallas, uh, September twenty-seventh. That's a difficult game. The Chiefs coming here, they're not winning that game. I I joked about it, but they're not winning that game. 
you go down to Carolina, hey, it's a road game. You're not a very good team. Then the Super Bowl champions come in. It's a difficult early part of the schedule. I don't think it's going to be as bad as Bob said. And he can speak for himself. I think he's trying to say if the rails go off, if Nick Sirianni's completely unprepared. And this is what you see from a national perspective, Jody, when all these people have the Eagles as a bottom five team. I keep saying it. They're only looking at the head coach and the quarterback. That's it. If they're better than people expect, and I expect both to be better, at least a little bit better than people expect, they're not going to be terrible. And I don't think they're going to be terrible. Here's where uh, I'll defend the possibility of the Eagles being better than 0-9 and, and or significantly better. Well, it's not a tough defense there. The, the, first, the first game is Atlanta. And uh, oh, like the Eagles, the Falcons are rolling out a new head coach, first game ever coached in the NFL. Um, so it's a uh, new head coach versus a new head coach. No Julio Jones on the Falcons. Absolutely a winnable game for the Eagles. Uh, week, I think it was four, you said, at Carolina. New quarterback. Now, I like Sam Donald. I think Sam Donald got the short trip with the Jets. They never did enough to uh, give him a chance to win both the coaching staff and the front office kind of shortchanged him. So I would not be surprised if Sam Dono went down to Carolina and did well, but I need to see it with my own eyes. Um, so that's that's absolutely a winnable game as far as I'm concerned. Uh, there's a bunch in San Francisco. I don't know what San Francisco is going to be. Yeah, I told you does. here on Birds 365, I think that San Francisco is one of the more overrated teams coming into the season because some people are picking them to go back to the Super Bowl. I know they had some injury issues last year. Bosa being out really did handicap that team. Oh, I love Nick. I love Nick Bosa. Oof, I love him. Stone Cold Stud. When he was out there, defense was just not the same. But who's to say he doesn't get hurt again? He could be one of those guys who's uh, forever hurt, always getting hurt. Well, Jody, I'm going to tell you why it's not going to happen. I'm going to tell you why 0-9 is not going to happen. Right here, right now, on Birds 365. Okay. Game number eight. Detroit Lions, right there. Yes. You got to win that game. Got to win that. Game. I was going to get down to them. They are one of the truly uh, few teams that right now you look at the roster, put coaching experience and everything else aside. You just look at the talent of the guys on the football team, and I'm telling you, the Eagles are better. And oh, by the way, although he's colorful, I have more faith in Nick Sirianni becoming a very good NFL coach than Coach Campbell up there in Detroit. He's a great quote. He's a colorful character. I don't know if he can coach a little bit. I'm, yeah, I'm already... I think they're both. I think it's interesting because they're both kind of the same. Different personalities, but both kind of the same. They're different. They say weird things. They're, they're kind of goofy. So I kind of put those two guys in the same boat. Um, but I think people look at Dan Campbell and say, well, he's more of a football guy. They look at Nick Sirianni as being more of a new age guy, but they're both kind of outside the box. So I kind of put them both in the same category. Okay. Then that uh, means I like the new age guy. All right. Uh, we've got uh, John Machota joining us in about 10 minutes from now. I did want to bring this up. Uh, first segment wasn't going to happen, but let me do so here. Um, big story in football breaking in the last 24 hours. Uh, doesn't have an immediate impact on the Eagles, but it will have an impact on all 32 NFL teams over some period of time. College football, 
the top uh, conferences or meeting over the next couple of days, and there has been conversation about them highly likely expanding the college football playoff uh, forever. There was no college football playoffs, and the polls decided the NFL champion. You two gray-bearded uh, hosts of uh, Birds 365, yes, do remember when the polls decided yeah. who yeah. was the collegiate national and they champion. probably did a better job, by the way. But then they that. came up with the championship game. It was just two teams. The polls again decided who the two best teams were, but at least they decided it on the field rather than pick one over the other with a swipe of your pen, uh, which was a good step in the right direction. Then they expanded the college football playoffs from two teams to four teams. And that made sense too, because you're giving more teams a chance at that championship. Now they're thinking about expanding it to 12 teams. <clears throat> now, Johnny Mac, I told you I've been doing this sports talk thing, and this is a new venue here on YouTube, but I've been doing it on the radio for 30 plus years. Since the 80s, when I started in the late 80s, I've been saying the college football playoff should be eight teams. And it's a really simple reason why. If you're the ninth team in the country, you got no right bitching. You can't say, oh, yeah, but no, no, no. You're oh, freaking, you're ninth. <laughs> you're ninth. Bitch. You can't, if you're ninth, you can't bitch about we don't get a shot. I'm sorry. You just don't. If you're fifth, and let's say three and four and five are really close, somebody's got to be five out of that group. Yeah, you can actually make an argument. We're as good as the fourth team. Got, shoot, we're as good as the third team that got in. When you're ninth and you want to compare yourself to the eighth team, shut up and go home. Get ready for your bowl game. You I hear what you're saying. Say. I hear what you're saying. But, you know, this is 2021 America, Jody. Everybody bitches. It doesn't matter. You could have 64 teams. You could, you could have 60. It could be basketball. The 65th team is going to be complaining. The 60, you see it all the time, as a matter of fact. Oh, bubble teams. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you're right. Who cares? You're not relevant. But sure, maybe you're better than the 64th team. But somebody's going to complain. You know that, Jody. Right. I'd like more teams because bowl games are irrelevant. So the more you can sort of encompass it into a, a, a championship format. And also, I do think there are years where, look, you know, Central Florida, the one year where they declared themselves the national champions, you know, Utah going to Boise State, whoever, uh, having a big year. They're not even considered. They're not even considered. Um, and I think that's wrong. Maybe on a particular year, yeah, Alabama will probably go beat them by 40. But guess what? They beat Notre Dame like a drum. They beat Ohio State like a drum. So I don't want to hear that. I'd rather see somebody get an opportunity. Uh, and, and maybe on a special year, you have that special story. So I think they should be included, to be well, here's honest. Where, here's where I'll compare, and you already did it, uh, 60. And, oh, by the way, 65 is now yeah, yeah, yeah. field of 64. Yeah. It's 69 who was on yeah. the outside looking in. But your point was was dead on. Your numbers were just off. Here's what I'll say about the 12-team playoff, if that's what it happens. If uh, in a given year, all 12 teams come from Power 5 conferences, that's what I want. If there are years where 
there are three teams out of non-power five. Not just one, not just two, but as many as three. It has to be on a year-to-year basis. Because I'm guaranteeing you, John, this is the way it's going to be because the NJA basketball tournament, they gave those conferences automatic bids. And there are some teams that win those automatic bids in tournaments who don't belong in a good high school tournament, let alone the NCAA tournament. I don't like automatic bids. I agree with it. That's the one thing I, they have to continue to be true to. Our job is to find if it's going to be 12, and that's four more than I think they actually need, because I've been crying for eight. Since the 80s, I've been saying a college football player should be eight teams. And they're going to go from four and jump right over eight to 12. I can't believe yeah. I'm going to be wrong about this after 30 some odd years. Uh, but those those 12 teams should be the 12 best teams. That's the way it should be determined. If it's non-power right. five, fine. If it's all power five, five again, that's fine too. But the best team should be in there. And here's where it comes back to the Eagles. <clears throat> all those games are going to be on TV. And all those games are going to be pressurized. All those games are going to be about a potential national championship shot. So as you're judging those players who are draft eligible and could potentially put on the Eagle green someday, you get a chance as an amateur general manager sitting at home to break down film, to put it on the DVR so you can watch it afterwards. Did you see that cornerback from uh, George? He was outstanding. That's third round pick written all over. He's got Eagle. Yeah, it gives you a chance to see a little bit more of potential draft players in a big-time spot. So that's why I like the fact. Yeah, and then they'll show up at the uh, combine and have a bad spider grab, and they'll be out the door, Jody. That's how uh, it works in this First league. first time we've ever used the term spider grab here on there you go. Birds 360. Won't be the last one. You got that right. All right, John McMullen, Jody McDonald. Timeout coming, and then John Mishota does an outstanding job covering the Cowboys for the Athletic. Is zooming in with us. We'll talk some uh, Dallas Cowboys next here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life. Count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. 
IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Magamac guys here with John Birds 365. We are joined by John Machado, who covers the the Cowboys on a day in day out basis for the Athletic. We like to go behind enemy lines, know who the Eagles are going to be facing as the season plays in itself out. John Jody McDonald and John McMullen here. Thanks for getting up and doing this with us. No problem, guys. Thanks for having me on. Hey, John, thrilled to have you. Obviously, the Dallas Cowboys always a high profile team. Nobody needs to start there. America's team, and I think. Everyone looks at Dak Prescott coming back and and being healthy and looks at all the talent on the offensive side of the ball, the offensive line as well, coming back healthy, Zach Martin, Teron Smith. When you look at this team, uh, um, it starts with defense, doesn't it? It starts with Dan Quinn. It starts with moving on from Mike Nolan. Are they good enough on that side of the ball? Yeah, it's tough to even say right now. Um, I'd, I never thought that they would be quite as bad as they were last year. And I understand that they were bringing in a new coaching staff and those were certainly not ideal times during the pandemic, doing most of your stuff, most of the implementation of your new stuff over basically like calls like this and not being able to be in person. And you've heard a lot of players talk this mini camp and OTAs about how different it's been. And so um, there is, there is a lot of excitement behind Dan Quinn, not just from the fan base, but from the players too. You hear it quite a bit that they seem really excited about what he's trying to do. So yeah, that's, that's the hope for them, but that's what it comes down to for the Cowboys is how good can this defense be? It's certainly not, I don't care how great Dan Quinn is. It's not going to be some top 10 defense, but can they get to at least respectability middle of the pack, not be an embarrassment in some games like they were last year. I mean, that was arguably the worst defense in Cowboys franchise history. If you break down some of the numbers on it. So can they be at least middle of the pack to team up with what should be a loaded offense? If they can, then then they should absolutely be have every opportunity to win the division. If it's the same defense or something similar to last year, uh, then I can see them being a huge disappointment again. Let's stay on the defensive side of the ball and go back to draft night. The Cowboys basically in the same position the Eagles were in. 
we thought the Eagles were looking at drafting a cornerback when their pick came up. The Cowboys were looking at drafting a cornerback when their pick came up. And damn, if the two top cornerbacks didn't come off the board before, either one of them could pick. So the two teams ended up engineering a deal with the Eagles trading up and the Cowboys trading back. Cowboys never would have traded back if one of those two cornerbacks was still on the board. Am I correct? Oh, yeah, absolutely no chance. They like both of those guys. I think, I believe if both of them were there, they would have went with J.C. Horn. Um, and I think J.C. Horn thought he was going to be going to the Cowboys just looking at a lot of the pre-draft stuff, um, that a lot of ESPN things that they had behind the scene cameras and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden they were forced to scramble. And, hey, listen, the Cowboys loved Micah Parsons. They say that he was the top defensive player on their board. But at the end of the day, actions speak louder than words. And if that is absolutely your guy, you're not even trading out of 10. You're absolutely True. taking right there. They never would have traded. If both those corners are sitting there at 10, they're not like, hey, let's go ahead and trade within the division. Let's see if we can maybe still get an extra pick, and then we'll still get one of these. No, you absolutely take your guy. And so Micah Parsons has been impressive so far. But, yeah, there's no question. If one of those corners is there, that's the pick for the Cowboys at 10. How did the, the division aspect play into that trade, John? Because obviously, if you look at it long term, if Devontae Smith turns into Devontae Smith at Alabama, look, everybody, the Cowboys don't need a receiver. I mean, they have C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. They, they don't want or have a need for Devontae Smith. But still, when you trade uh, with somebody in your division, um. How does that impact, or how did Stephen Jones and Jerry Jones kind of look at that? All right, so Stephen Jones says that when they were on the phone with the Eagles, that they told him that they were taking an offensive player, and so that's why they felt good with it. But again, I mean, these are handshake deals, not even. They're agreements over the phone. Like, forget the Eagles in this situation. What if, well, forget them taking a pick there. What if the Eagles would have traded, like, they, let's say, they trade back with a Cowboy or they trade up to 10. And then all of a sudden someone comes in and throws a boatload at them because they want Micah Parsons and they know the Cowboys. Then all of a sudden, then the, then the Cowboys lose out on Parsons too. Like there's no guarantee that the Eagles are going to do exactly what you want. Not, not, I mean, regardless of them being you're probably your biggest rival right now, just the fact that it's the NFL, like there's no guarantees to any of this stuff. So they still ran a risk, even though it was a small one, that even they would have lost out of Parsons there as well. And then, then that would have been really interesting if that would have happened. But now, Stephen Jones says that they told him they were going to take an offensive player. And the Cowboys felt like we're dealing with Devontae Smith either way. It was either he goes to the Giants or he's going to go to the Eagles. Like, that's just how it was going to be. And, and either way, it was going to go to a division team. Right. And if you trade down, then at least you get that added pick. What the Eagles were going to do if you just stayed at home, took your kid and uh, let the chips fall where they may with the wide receiver there after you don't get that bonus pick. So I thought the Cowboys actually played their cards pretty uh, wisely at that point. Uh, the, again, there's some parallels between the Cowboys and Eagles. The Eagles, maybe even more so now, have cornerback issues. Neither one of the teams have truly answered their cornerback issues. How much does the defensive line pressure relieve the fact that they don't have quite enough talent uh, on the back end? Um, did the Cowboys why, – why should Cowboy fans believe under uh, Coach Quinn now the Cowboys are going to be able to generate a better pass rush, or shouldn't they? 
I would say the biggest reason for hope is that it seems like they're going to keep building on being a little bit more multiple in their pass rush. And, and when I say that, I mean, you know, there's a, almost a decade here of of a Rod Marinelli, Monte, Monte Kiffin type scheme where most of your pass rush was just coming from your front four. And that's fine if you have a lot of talent in just your front four. But the defensive tackle position has been far from a strength for the Cowboys for a long time. And so really your pass rush is just coming down to Demarcus Lawrence and then hoping that you'll get something else from what has been just every offseason. Well, we're going to go out and go get um, uh, guys like Alden Smith and going out and getting a, a Robert Quinn for a year. And there's been no real continuity there. So now you take Mike, Micah Parsons. And if Micah Parsons is drafted under Rod Marinelli, we're not sitting here thinking, oh, well, Micah Parsons might get six, seven, eight sacks because that's just not how they use their linebackers. Under Dan no. Quinn... And, and I'm going off of, too, just what we've seen from OTAs, rookie minicamp and minicamp. Dan Quinn certainly seems like he's going to bring Micah Parsons a lot more. There were plenty of times we've seen him line up as an as a, like a defensive end, which is kind of in his defensive scheme. It's called like a Leo position where he'll come up, creep up to the line of scrimmage. He might end up dropping back or he might come in and rush the passer. And so there's just going to be a lot of a lot of different moving pieces there that you really haven't seen from the Cowboys in the past. And and I mean, Mike Nolan tried to implement that. But the problem was that the players didn't really buy in and they didn't really have the offseason to implement it the right way. And so they were kind of scrambling from the beginning of the season. So I think, you know, Demarcus Lawrence is still a very good edge rusher. I think Micah Parsons will be up there. Randy Gregory is 28 years old. He's going to be your right defensive end. He's going to get a lot of opportunities there. They're hoping that he can take that next step. But yeah, it's not it's not some loaded defensive line where they can just get their pressure with their four guys. There's going to have to be a lot more blitzing, and there's going to be have to a lot. They're going to have to be a little bit more exotic than they've been in previous seasons. Yeah, John, you mentioned kind of that uh, Monty Kippen and 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 uh, Rod Marinelli really goes back to Tony Dungy. A lot of cover too, a lot of just uh, you know base defense. So where do the linebackers fit into this? You know, Micah Parsons is going to play uh, as a high profile. First round pick. You also have Jalen Smith. Injury concerns, but boy, when Leighton Benderis was healthy, he looked like he was going to be a star player. Are they going to play a lot of three linebackers? Is it just going to be two linebackers and you kind of let the chips fall where they may with Jalen Smith and Leighton Benderis? Well, I think it's going to be two of your traditional type, you know, Mike, weak side type linebackers. I think you'll see a lot of that. But then I also think that they'll work in Micah Parsons as, as some of what more of an edge rusher. And then that'll actually bring in another linebacker because of that. Cause I don't see Micah Parsons coming off the field. I just, I just, I think they're going to use him in a variety of ways. I think he's the best chess piece they have. Now with that being said, and I wrote about this this week, you know, a lot of this same talk was being said last year at this time about Isaiah Simmons with Arizona. It was, oh, this is going to yeah, be this chess yeah. move around. And, and it was, it took him a while to kind of, I mean, he was playing all linebacker positions, safety, nickel corner for, for Arizona. And it wasn't a huge success right away. And so you got to be careful about putting too much on a young guy's plate like that as well. And so, but the linebacker position, they certainly went out there. And that's the thing, very interesting, going back to my actions speak louder than words. Dan Quinn had a chance to watch all of that tape from last year. And it was, it must've been very clear to him how, how, underperforming those linebackers were because his biggest move in free agency was going out and getting a guy he knows in Keanu Neal, who at the time we thought, oh, they're adding a safety. Oh, Keanu Neal has not played any safety throughout minicamp and OTAs. It has been strictly as a linebacker. So they got him working out there. And then your biggest investment in the draft is Micah Parsons. 
And then their biggest steal, probably the best value pick for the Cowboys, was getting Jabril Cox in the fourth round. And so then you add him with Jalen Smith and Lane Vanders. They have a good solid five linebackers if they're all healthy. But because of how poorly the linebacker position has been for the Cowboys the last two years, they needed to address it. You know, we go back to 2018, man, it looked like, man, the ceiling was very high for Leighton Vanderish and Jalen Smith coming off that year. And then these yeah. last two years, because of injuries, ineffective play, it's turned into one of their biggest weaknesses. Sean Lee retires. So there's a lot of moving pieces there. And frankly, I think they need that. Cowboys fans have talked about, oh, they need to trade one of these guys. You now they have so many linebackers. Now, I don't think they're going to be doing that. They're, they're happy to have a surplus at a position that's been such a weakness. Two years running, as a matter of fact, I'd like the Cowboys fifth round pick Cox this year. And last year, I had a chance to have uh, Bradley and I on my uh, CBS Sports Radio show. So I knew I was getting him on. So I did a little homework on him, watched a little video. I said, damn, this kid can play. I had him on before the draft. I thought he was going to go back of the second, probably in the third round. He fell all the way to the fifth and the Cowboys snapped him up. Um, hit or miss last year. I didn't watch every snap of every game, but the stats say he didn't play that much. He, he contributed some, but uh, I don't know how much he was given a chance. Uh, we see progression from him, the Utah kid, Bradley and I here in year number two. What is his role on the Cowboys this upcoming season? It's funny you say that, Jody, because that's exactly the way the fan base was after they drafted him. And then it was like, you'd go into week one, week two, week three, and he was not even active. And you're just kind of like, it's not like this team's loaded at edge rusher. How's this guy not even active? And so, again, I'm, I guess I'll chalk it up a little bit, too. It was hard transition for these rookies going in under the conditions with a new coaching staff and, and, and the you know limitations of a COVID time. So we have seen him out there a little bit more, but if they absolutely thought that he was ready to take the next step, do they go out and sign Terrell Basham from, from the Jets, who – if I'm listing who I think are going to be their top edge rushers, I'm going Lawrence one, Randy Gregory two, and Basham three. And then fourth is probably Micah Parsons in that mix. So, I mean, Bradley mm -hmm. and I certainly should be in that mix, and, and we'll see as we get out to training camp. But as I sit here right now, if everybody is healthy, um, you know, I think he's battling with Dorrance Armstrong as being kind of like the fourth edge rusher in that mix. Okay. John, I want to shift to the offensive side of the ball. I think we got to start with the head coach, Mike McCarthy. I think everybody remembers the last few years in Green Bay. They're now kind of realizing – Look, Aaron Rodgers is kind of difficult to deal with. Uh, he had a lot of success in Green Bay before things went uh, went off the rails. Uh, how is he taken in Dallas? How is the fan base look at Mike McCarthy, especially coming off last season? Early in the season, they were looking like they were going to be spectacular offensively. And then obviously you lose your starting quarterback and it got ugly. We saw the Ben DiNucci game up close. But, uh, you know, when Mike had his guys, they were performing at a high level. How's he kind of looked at? Not very highly right now. <laughs> I can tell you, I mean, one of the biggest things is, is you have this entire time off, you know, between the Packers and the Cow getting the Cowboys job. And the, the biggest knock on him so far is just how unorganized things look last year and, and, Let's be honest. If you're an offensive, that's your background as a head coach. You're an offensive guy. I mean, isn't your most important hire your defensive coordinator? And for that to already have failed through one season, that doesn't look great for you as a head coach, that you're already moving on from him. You're already moving on from Jim Tom Sula, like after only one season. And then just how sloppy things looked on the field. It was like one of those things that, you know, nobody, 
nobody that watches the Cowboys was expecting Mike McCarthy to come in and kind of rebuild everything. It was to build on like Jason Garrett. The reason he's, he was gone is because he couldn't win in the playoffs. It wasn't because he couldn't get there or he couldn't compete in the division. It was a, is this team going to finally get past the second round? Can they, Hey, let's go get this guy who's had success in the postseason, who's gotten to the NFC championship game multiple times. Who's gotten a super bowl has won a super bowl. And so when you see six and 10, and then you're already like, you got guys that look lost on the field. I mean, let's be honest on that offense. Like, I don't know that you need a, an offensive guru to have some success coaching all these high round picks on your offensive line. You know, the investment you've made at quarterback running back, the, the, the trio of wide receivers you have. So, you know, the defense looking as bad as it did was not a good look for Mike McCarthy. So certainly fans are expecting a, a, a lot more this season. I mean, double digit wins at the very least. John, the reason why we love having guys like you on, because you're there every single day, you see every single play, you've got that much more insight. Another guy I was just woefully wrong about last year, Bradley and I being one, thought he was going to step in, contribute, year one, didn't happen. The other one, different type of player, but I thought, damn, that's a good addition, was Greg Zerline. Greg the leg was going to go in there indoors, and I said, this guy's going to be booting 55-yard field goals on a weekly basis. And it just didn't happen. Why? Yeah, it's it's been weird in Dallas for the last few years. Ever since Dan Bailey was kind of on a run where he was one of the better kickers in the league, they just have struggled to get that same consistency at kicker. And, you know, it came in as a competition between Zerline and, and, and Brett Maher. And, and Zerline is, is John Fossil's guy, so he's going to get the job. I, I just... I think that there, there's there's still a lot of confidence there with Fossil in Zerline. Obviously, the, their time working together with the Rams. You know, I, I'm really not sure. I mean, the biggest thing with him is, you know, they just they just need that consistency that that they that they really have not had. And so, um, the, my, I mean, my biggest takeaway is that if they were that concerned, I feel like they would have addressed it this offseason. And because they didn't, I think that they're I think they're pretty content at the position. But yeah, it's nowhere near as you don't feel as good as you did, let's say, when Dan Bailey was in his prime and, he, and at one point was the most accurate kicker in the NFL. Probably took too long to get here, John, but Dak Prescott, obviously. I mean, it, this is a tough sport, man. I mean, if you look at Dak for years, I mean, 16, 16, 16, 16, he was one of the guys. He was durable. Uh, he was somebody you can count on. I remember him playing through the shoulder injury here where he probably shouldn't have been on the field. And then all of a sudden it happens. That's what the NFL is. If you play it long enough, injury rate is 100%. Where is he? Does he look like the same guy? Is he on track? Are we going to see the same guy who was on track to be potentially an MVP candidate? So, yeah, everything we've seen at OTAs and minicam, you would know that he had suffered that injury, you know, if you had not seen it. I mean, he does not look like anybody that's favoring his right ankle or, or whether he's dropping back, rolling out to his right or left does not look like he's favoring it. I mean, his throwing motion, nothing looks like it's changed. I mean, he looks like the same guy. The thing is, as you guys know, like these guys aren't being tackled at this time. And really even in training camp, they're not going to be trying to tackle Dak Prescott to the ground. So you're not, you know, he doesn't want to talk about this. We talked to him about it this week and he, and he was talking about how he wants to move from the injury. He doesn't want to keep talking about what's well, like, well, you're going to have to take some hits. I mean, that's the thing. That's the next step now. Like, how are you going to, you know, this is a mobile quarterback. He's obviously going to get tackled in games. And as you point out that Eagles game, I mean, 
he, he obviously was injured there. He injured himself in the Rams game before that on, on a scramble. This play that happened that ended his season last year was on a scramble. That's a big part of his game. I mean, that's particularly in the red zone. And so he feels confident that he's all the way back. Um, he really wasn't limited at all. They just didn't do the 11 on 11 with the defensive line because they didn't want any accidental guy rolling into his ankle or anything like that. But he's supposed to be a full go when training camp starts. So everything's on track there. And obviously he has a lot of weapons to work with, but it's going to be when the bullets are flying in an actual game, how how much is he still looking to run? I don't think it's going to be anywhere near as much as it was in the past. And really with these offensive weapons, it shouldn't be, but he has to be a mobile guy. That's one of the great strengths he has in his game. And so I think even he'll never, he won't admit this because he doesn't want us to keep asking about this, but there has to be that threshold of now I got to get hit. I got to get a hit and I got to get up and then get back to the huddle. And then everything's fine. Just mentally, you would just think for anybody who would went through such a gruesome, I mean, to look down at your ankle, a guy who has not had many injuries, not certainly not any severe ones. And your ankle is pointing the opposite direction. There has to be a part of you. That's like, I have to, I have to see now if I can take this hit and everything's going to be fine. That has to be the next threshold. And we're not going to see that. And maybe not until week one. John, uh, certainly it will be determined over time, and what will help determine how many hits he is going to take on that ankle is the offensive line. This is another area where you can compare the Cowboys and the Eagles. There are serious similarities here. When Eagles won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, big part of it was <laughs> their big five up front, continuity, no injuries, high-level play. That's how they won the Super Bowl. The Cowboys the year before had the best offensive line in football. Three of those guys still there, but coming back off various injuries, Eagles are hoping the right-hand side of their line with Brooks and with Johnson can stay healthy, stay on the field, and that will improve their chances. How's the health on Smith, Martin, and Lyle Collins coming into the season? So they've been very cautious with them throughout OTAs and minicamp. Very lot, lot of working off to the side. No setbacks with them. They're going to be ready to go. But I get, you just get this feeling this training camp is going to be all about just keeping these guys healthy, getting to week one, because that was such a setback for them. Not only to lose Dak, but to lose both of your offensive tackles. Mike McCarthy talks about it all the time, how there's just studies done that, I mean, regardless of having the top elite offensive linemen, just having those five, like you said, throughout an entire season, a lot of teams at the end of the year that are having success are because they've had that same five together, the continuity and and things like that. I mean, just looking at how poorly uh, the, that machine was running for Kansas City in the Super Bowl when you lose those offensive linemen. I mean, I was under the impression Patrick Mahomes, it didn't matter what five guys those yeah. were in front of him, but it, it does matter. And so that is, you know, it's funny because that is like the biggest telltale sign. Like if you could tell me, you know, if, if you ask me what is the one thing the Cowboys have to have this year, if you can get anything, I'd say number one is Dak Prescott healthy, and number two would have to be that offensive line because it's not just with keeping Dak healthy. The running game has not been nowhere near the same since those times you were talking of, you know, and and so, yeah, you're, you're going to have to have those guys there, uh, you know, for a full season, and if that happens, I mean, those are three Pro Bowl caliber offensive linemen that they were out for an extended period of time last year. That's going to be a huge reason for if this team has success or not because – you just don't plug in the next guy up as much as they talk about that. And that's the mantra behind the scenes. That's easier said than done when you're talking about pro bowl. Guys. I mean, Tyron Smith, Zach Martin. I mean, those are guys that there's a good chance they'll be in the Cowboys ring of honor, probably in, in the hall of fame too. If things go continue to go in the right direction, yeah. you don't just lose those guys and then grab some guy that was a third, fourth round pick. And so those three guys are out there. They should be in really good shape on offense. Yeah, I'm with you, John. I think Jack Martin's going to the Hall of Fame, the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So you just don't say next man up 
when you lose a player like that. But the extension, you mentioned the running game. Simple question, and it's difficult, but you're there every day. Is Ezekiel Elliott the same guy physically? Was it the offensive line or the 300 touches every year, uh, which we know when it, running backs, when the decline starts, it happens quickly. Is he the same guy physically? I don't think he's the same guy as 2016. 2016, I mean, that's where you saw him leaping over guys, trucking guys, just, I mean, very, very explosive. Now, I will say, though, this offseason, though, he has looked more explosive than he has maybe the last couple, and he has really gone out of his way. He's got a, you know, he's working out with a uh, private running back coach on the side, He's and, and they've posted some of these videos on social media, and he looks quick, and he has looked quick in the things that we've seen. And so I think it's a combination um, but the thing I would say is even without that offensive line healthy, you just didn't see that you haven't seen in the last couple of years, the same explosive runs. Like once he gets to the second level, turning that, you know, 15 yard into a 30 yard or, or, or even the home run into, you know, a 50 yard touchdown screen passes, things like that, that you saw the first couple of years just haven't been there. This is a big year for Ezekiel Ali. I mean, he has a lot to prove, uh, you know, where he's at, you know, not just with the offensive line, but just him as a player. Obviously, he's a significant investment for this team. And so he has to be a big part of it because for this team to, to meet, you know, the expectations and reach its full potential, they still have to have that running game be successful like it was in 2016 and 2017, 2018. I mean, winning two rushing titles in his first three seasons set the bar pretty high. And that's why you get a contract like that. So, yeah, the expectations need to be higher for Ezekiel. He has to have a big year, even with how good they are or should be as good as they are as a passing offense. But it's hard to sit there and just go, Zeke's not as, as explosive. It's ready to move on when you don't have Lyle Collins on one side, you don't have Tyron Smith, and then Zach Martin's out for six games. All right, let me go to one other weapon question here. Uh, we know Amari Cooper is the type of receiver he is. Hopefully he's ready for the start of the season for you guys. I'm reading things. Might not be ready for the start of camp. We'll have to see how that plays out. Uh, Michael Gallup, it seems like he always puts up numbers and makes a significant amount of plays. And yes, the Eagles wanted Eagle fans wanted Eagles to take CD Lamb when the Cowboys jump up and took him last year. But all that being said, how much did the Cowboys miss Cole Beasley last year? Uh, they probably missed him a, a little bit just from a, a perspective of again, like it's just better to have a veteran when you're going into a season like that where it's gonna be not the same. You know, you got a new coaching staff and then you just don't have the same offseason that you would have in a typical year. And so yeah, they probably missed him a little bit, but it's hard to argue with CD Lamb. I mean, I, I mean, I, I just I don't think he's even scratched the surface of what he can be because there really is not a weakness in his game. I mean, he see everybody's seen him with the Cowboys last year playing the slot because they have Amari Cooper and because they have Gallup and, and those guys fit better on the outside. But I mean, the stuff that we've seen in practice last year and then again, you're seeing it in, in these OTAs in minicamp. Like this is a guy that can go up and like high point the ball. It's just there's not a lot of opportunities there. There weren't at least last year to do that. Obviously, only having Dak for five games uh, doesn't help things. And, and really, the other part about CeeDee Lamb that I'm interested to see is I just want to see CeeDee Lamb with, like, the same quarterback for, like, multiple years. Because you go back to Oklahoma, and it was a different quarterback every year yeah. with him. Last year, I mean, he I mean he went from Dak to Andy Dalton, Ben DiNucci, Garrett Gilbert. Like, he just – there hasn't been that continuity. And you just – I feel like if you get a full season with him and Dak, I, I think that – he's the guy that I'll end up being their leading receiver. I just, he's very, he's just special. He's special in a lot of different ways. And the interesting part is 
that they're continuing to use him as their punt returner, their primary punt returner. And I know a lot of people will look at that as like, man, I don't know. I'd kind of try and protect that guy. But Mike McCarthy said that, you know, when he, when he took over the job, he told John Fossil, special teams is going to be huge. And we're going to put a lot of investment in that. And it certainly looks that way because I mean, I think CD lamb has a chance, chance to be their best offensive playmaker. And so they're going to continue to use him on punt returns as well. I mean, if he can stay healthy, you know, he's going to have a big year. It just, it's inevitable. He's just too talented not to. All right, John, last one from me. Want to thank you for joining the program. Read John at The Athletic. Uh, does a great job covering the Cowboys. Probably nitpicking because they have so much talent on offense. But they just went through this with Zach. Um, did they, Zach, excuse me, did they do enough at backup quarterback? And then secondly, tight end. Is that the, the are they good enough at tight end? Is that the obvious weakness on this offense? Yeah, it probably is on the offense, but I think that they'll be fine. I mean, as the thing is with Blake Jar, when he gets hurt in the first game and he is their big play receiving tight end, he gets hurt in week one in the first first half of the first game, tears his ACL. And it's one of those where he, he breaks on a route and just falls down. Nobody even touches him. You knew it was bad right off the beginning. And so with the way the Cowboys operate in, in terms of the injuries, anybody who had an ACL type injury like that, they do not work them out in the OTAs and minicamp. They work off to the side with the athletic trainers and things like that, but he's on go. He said that he's going to be a full go at the start of training camp. He'll separate back in the starting lineup, but really one of the bright spots from last year was that Dalton Schultz really emerged to take on a, a big role. He had a career year all across the board and he'll be their number two tight end, but he's shown that, you know, he made enough leaps and bounds last year that, you know, they can go two tight end sets now with both of them and be in pretty good shape. So if both those guys are healthy, they'll be fine at tight end. Um, but backup quarterback, yeah, I don't, I don't think they're set there. Uh, you know, they've, they've kicked the tires, brought guys in, haven't signed any of them. But as of right now, Garrett Gilbert's the backup. But, you know, I'll believe that when I see at week one that he's still their backup. I think they're going to continue kicking the tires, whether it be trading a late round pick for somebody or, or, or looking at rosters when they start getting trimmed down. Uh, I just, I mean, there's a chance that Garrett Gilbert's their backup, but like I said, I'll believe it when I see it. I, I, I don't, I think that that's one of the positions that they're continuing to look at. There's not a lot out there right now, um, but that's a, that's a position I don't think they're done at as backup quarterback. But just tell me Ben DiNucci's going to be somewhere on that roster. <laughs> hey, the Eagles only won four games last year, and I'll hand one of them directly to Ben DiNucci uh, for handing a victory to the Eagles. But that's just me. I'm, I'm, I'm a jerk. I can go down that road. All right, last thing. Um, there was conversation here in town about the Eagles being involved in the Julio Jones conversation. Why? Because Howie Roseman gets involved in every trade conversation. He likes to deal. He likes to be in the mix on important things. A lot of that can be said about the Cowboys owner as well. Jerry Jones likes to be involved in everything because he's Jerry Jones. Um, but we just talked about the Cowboys outside uh, prospects as good as anybody in the league. One, two, three punch. Did anybody believe when, you know, the Cowboys could get involved in the Julio Jones talk? Did anybody ever believe that could even begin to happen in Dallas? I feel like the only reason there, there wasn't serious thought behind that is just because of the fact of having drafted C.D. Lamb last year. But let's say, you know, I mean, because C.D. Lamb, that was not the... That was not the goal. I mean, they talked about they did multiple mock drafts and things like that, and they never had CeeDee Lamb following them. That was kind of a, wow, I can't believe this guy's here. We have to take him. So let's pretend that CeeDee Lamb wasn't their draft pick last year. Then, yes, they would have been in on Julio Jones this year. But it was it's almost like having Amari Cooper that you, you paid 
made one of the highest paid players in the league. Michael Gallup is in the final year of his rookie deal and, and he, he continues to get better. I think he's going to have a big year and obviously a lot of motivation being in that contract year. And then just the fact that like they believe that CD lamb can do line up on the outside, inside, do everything that's asked of him. And they believe that his ceiling super high. That's the only reason, but I completely agree with you <laughs> nine times out of 10 or probably 9.9 times out of 10. The Cowboys always are kicking the tires on any of that stuff like that. Believe me, we dealt with it down here for several years with Earl Thomas. It was like, you felt like oh, Earl yeah. Thomas was on the team for how he, much you were writing. Yeah. And talking he never about actually it. did become a Cowboy, yeah. did he? No, <laughs> never, never did. Uh, and I think it got to a point where, um, you know, you can deal with stuff off the field and behind the scenes in the locker room when that player's in that elite of elite level. But when that stop, starts dropping off a little bit, you might not want to bring as much of that into the locker room. And I think that's where they eventually got to there. I still feel like they would have eventually ended up signing them a, uh, a year ago if Jason Garrett was the head coach for another year. But I think Mike McCarthy was ready to go in another direction. And I don't think he had much interest in that. But man, that was a big storyline down here for far too long. Well, we are glad we went in the John Machota direction today. John, we will tap into you uh, from time to time, specifically when the Eagles are uh, going to play the Cowboys in the upcoming weeks during the season. We appreciate you joining us today. Gave us good insight. We will ask you to do so again down the road. Thanks. Absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me on. John Machota, if you're an athletic subscriber, uh, he does a great job covering <laughs> the Cowboys. If you don't, you probably should, because, uh, you know, we got great Eagle guys who cover uh, the hometown team for the athletic as well. Maybe one of which will punch up next week. You never know. All right, we're coming back. We're going to put a bow on the show. Final 10 minutes, final day of the week right here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Clock is ticking on this 48th edition, as we did the math before we started today, of Birds 365. Ten solid weeks with a couple holidays in there uh, underneath the belt. We got to get ten more and then uh, a little extra on top, and we'll be getting up to our 100th show that will come before the season gets underway. Because, yes, we're in the doldrums right now, Johnny Mac. It's going to be a while before we get really, truly breaking news and stuff we can sink our teeth into, or will we? You know, I always say, end of the show, not always, but often. 22 hours, we'll be back. Well, uh, 70 hours, we'll be back, because yeah. we're coming up on a weekend a year. It gives a couple days for something to happen. Any chance anything happened? The Eagles have been very good at uh, breaking news, like, 10 minutes after our yeah. show's end. So maybe it happens that we got to wait we're, we're 69 of those 70 hours. Jody, that's the beauty of this league. There's always going to be something. It might not be local. might be national. But there's going to be something to talk about. You know, and there's always something to talk about with the Philadelphia Eagles. That's the beauty of that team as well. You know, I'm a little disappointed that our 40th show isn't going to be on Tuesday. And it could be the 40th show for the 40th birthday of Nick Sirianni. And, you know, when you turn that calendar to 40, Jody, as you know, uh, and, and unfortunately I know, we know, it comes tremendous wisdom. When you go from 39 to 40, all of a sudden you have tremendous, tremendous wisdom and tremendous experience. So hopefully that helps this young coaching staff. Somehow I didn't get on that train when <laughs> At 40, the wisdom just didn't seem to come flooding yeah, in. That's but, a little sarcasm, but that, I will that, say that this. might be that might be an issue that I have. Uh, you're you're correct about that. Um, with the fact that you said uh, maybe something national breaks, let me take a national shot here. And I've been meaning to say this for five straight days now. It happened before our show on Monday, which is not the one I overslept for. <clears> I was here right at the top of the show on Monday. But on Sunday night, for some reason, yours truly had a dream that the Philadelphia Eagles had a new starting quarterback. And his name was Russell Wilson. Not going to happen now. I don't know why that happened. What I was thinking, you're in La La Land, your mind does funny things. But for some reason, I had a dream that said the new Eagles quarterback was going to be Russell Wilson. That is not the case. That apparently all is peachy and keen. All is well. All with is Russell, well. Russell Wilson up in Seattle. To the point where he is now coming out and saying, well, I never actually requested a trade. Yeah. His agent came out and stated yeah. for teams that he would accept a trade too. But according yeah. to Russell, he never really requested a trade. 
Please, Russell, don't pee on my shoes and tell me it's raining. Yeah, yeah so we know what went went down up there. If if you and uh, yeah. Coach Pete have kissed and made up, more power to you. You want to throw your arms around him and have a hug fest? That works <clears> for us. Good for you. But don't lie to us. Don't look us look us in the face and lie and say I never requested a trade. Yeah, you did. Semantics is a wonderful thing, Jody. You you can play games. What's the definition of is? What you know? Everybody can play semantics if you want to. His agent put a list of teams on the table. Yeah, that said this is it. That's as close to you get as requesting a trade. Frame it how any way you want to work. You know, but this is interesting from an Eagles perspective. I think. You know, when you wait around, when you saw, but oh, by the way, the Eagles weren't even on Russell's list, so. It doesn't matter, but I'm just using it in a larger perspective. If you wait around, whether it's Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, and they don't have a chance at him, Deshaun Watson, if you wait and say, eh, let's see what Deshaun Watson, uh, what, excuse me, what Jalen Hurts is going to do. Well, the back end of that is, hey, maybe Russell Wilson makes up with Seattle. Maybe Aaron Rodgers goes to Denver. Maybe Deshaun Watson goes to Denver. Whatever. You might miss out. That's all I'm trying to say. You might miss out. Could could shake out that way. All right. I don't think Krause's watching. Sixers going to win tonight? You better watch. Um, no. Sixers are going to lose. Sixers are going to get beat tonight by the Hawks? Yeah. Trey Young's going to go Damn, off. What are you, you're, the bro, you're the Bob Groats of the Sixers. Yeah. No, I am going to say Mr. this. Negativity. Are you kidding me? The Sixers aren't losing tonight. Trey Young is going to win the game tonight. The Sixers are going to win game four. Then the series really starts. That's my prediction on the Sixers. Your optimism for the day, Jody, and we'll leave everybody with some optimism for the weekend. Eagles are not starting 0-9. Book it. Book it. Both John and I are down on that one. Sorry, Bob Groats. They're not starting 0-9. But the Sixers aren't going to be 1-2 and in this series either. So I am I'm Mr. Completely Optimistic. John is Mr. Mr. Partial Optimistic. I guess we should take that. From McMullen. Uh, partner, good week. Uh, I say we do this again next week. How about you? Let's do it, buddy. We 50 will be on right, the horizon. Right back here for show number 49 on Birds 365 on Monday. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.